0: Found No proscenium, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from NPHQ in Los Angeles, and welcome to episode 375. This week on the show, we use the power of the internet to make contact with Brandon Oldenburg and Limbert Fabian, two members of the creative team of a very interesting place out in Sugarland, Texas, which is just outside of Houston. That would be the department of wonder. Now what they've got going on out there in Sugarland looks to be an amalgamation of nearly everything we talk about on this show, performance, environmental storytelling, and creative use of technology to draw audiences deeper into the world they've built. I just wish I could see it with my own eyes. Luckily, we have Brandon and Limbert to break it down, and we get into some fun rabbit holes as we explore their long path to making immersive work. Our long path wouldn't exist without all of you, and this month we're looking to close the gap in our Patreon as fast as we can as expenses are going up, thank you MailChimp, and the Small Business Association has started knocking on our door. Okay, they're emailing, but still, right now we're about four hundred dollars a month shy of a three thousand dollar a month level at of our. Right now we're about four hundred dollars a month shy of the three thousand dollar a month mark in our Patreon campaign, which means we're looking for eighty new five dollar backers to help stabilize the cost of doing business. Why not just four one hundred dollar backers? Because $5 hurts less for everybody. That's why. So 80 new $5 backers uh, to help stabilize. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash no proscenium and keep us from having to radically change things up around here. You know, like charge for the newsletter, all that kind of stuff. We could do it. Don't really want to, but we could do it that way. All right. If you're already a backer, you can help by dropping a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and share the podcasts and articles you find useful on your social media platform of choice. We are always no proscenium everywhere except on Instagram where we are no underscore proscenium, which, you know, search no proscenium you'll find us. It's not a big deal. We're also on the lookout for community partners who are up for working out special deals for our backers. Hit me up at Noah at no for details. As always, big thanks to our sustaining backers Samuel Mustry, Chris Wolman, Samantha Davidson, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentes, Tom Leonetti, Maguire, Winthorne, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hands-on, the Ministry of Peculiarities, and Jan Budman. Thank you all. You keep me alive. <laughs> quite literally. Quite literally. And now, without any further ado. Uh, we've got the episode, but uh, come back on the backside because, um, you know, maybe there's some rumors about some things and maybe you want to hear about those. We'll do that after the interview. Anyway, here we go. Not too far outside of Houston lies Sugarland, Texas, which as of last fall is home to the Department of Wonder, a new immersive destination that looks to mix storytelling, technology, and performance in ways that, well, in ways that are kind of the pinnacle of what we've all been chasing across the immersiverse. Joining us today are Brandon Oldenburg and Limbert Fabian, co heads of creative at the Department of Wonder. Hello, guys.
1: Hello. Hey. Uh, Brandon, it's actually, nice just
0: uh, for, for the sake of it, uh, Brandon, Brandon, say hello so everyone knows your voice.
1: Hi, this is Brandon Oldenburg.
0: Limbert, say hello, your this, name. This, this,
1: yes. <laughs> this is Limbert Fabian. Hello, everyone.
0: A quarter century in the business, and every time I have like uh, two guests at the same time when we're doing this kind of recording, I always forget, like, oh, yeah, people don't know who their voices are. Uh, oh, thank Get you. them an identify. Yeah, so uh, brain brain networking. You're the you're the first interview I'm recording in 2023. So you know I'm I'm a, I'm a little rusty after yeah. two weeks off. Um, that's so, <laughs>
1: all
0: right. So we're going to start with a simple one. Um, so so everyone knows I haven't been. Uh, but I have seen a video, and it was mildly impressed. But just for a mm-hmm. moment, let's imagine I know nothing about the Department of Wonder, that I know nothing about immersive or experiential, or any of the inside baseball terms we're all far too comfortable with. Mm-hmm. How do you pitch this to the mm-hmm. average Joe and Jane in Sugarland
1: mm-hmm. or Houston?
0: What do you What do you tell mm-hmm.
1: them? How do you entice them out <clears throat> to your to your lair over the Last year, while we've been under construction, we have so many curious visitors that knock on the door or we'll just walk right in. We we have this emporium at the front of our shop. It looks like an old uh, time has forgotten lamp makers emporium. And people wander in and like, what what is this place? What's going on? And yeah, you're right. Uh, it in it's um it's it's a difficult thing to describe this medium that we are now diving into. And so we often just say, well, well, they, they kind of jump in and say, well, is it an escape room? What is this? Is this a, and it was like, well, no, no, it's not. Is, Is this a theater? Cause you you're right next to a theater over here. It was like, no, it's not a theater is it an arcade? Hmm. You know, you've hit all three corners. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a little bit of theater. It's a little bit of a video game. It's a little bit of like being in an animated film. And and that's where it all blends together. So sometimes I draw in the air, a triangle and, and try to identify these things that we're familiar with. And then try to like, I, I mush my hands together and weave my fingers together and say, it's all kind of blurring together in here into this thing. Uh, and it's, You know, what used to be at the end of like a a street of like an outdoor shopping center may have been a movie theater. And it's sort of that magnet tenant that, uh, you know, people walk past your shops while they come and go from their movie or to their restaurant. It's like we're in this strange little outdoor shopping center. And it's it's we are in that location where you'd normally would drop like a you know movie theater that have two screens. And so people can see the best movies at home now. And they're not as prone to go out. So, like, what's that cool, awesome bit of entertainment you can drop into the outside world that you just can't do at home? And so we we talk about like, well, the best video games, the best movies, do those at home. It's like okay. And so theater is definitely still a thing you got to go do, but it's it's not quite that. It's because you're all very we're all very familiar with theater, and it's yeah they blur together in that sort of trifecta.
2: You know. We, so we- for
0: yeah, I was going to add real
2: quick, we, that very question is was posed, uh, we, we pose ourselves when we have people line up to do their time, right? So when they come to the location, they line up outside the, the venue to go inside and the person, the front, the front door tries to explain in as very little words as possible what exactly they're going to do. And sort of onboarding people to a thing that they have a million questions about is a really tricky thing to do. Um, but you know, we try to begin to wrap that in story a little bit and say that, you know, this is, uh, the, the folks you're going to meet inside of, of gain access to a very special place that is in need of your help. And that's all you're armed with. So the the sense of intrigue is heightened a little bit, but this idea of trying to explain exactly what it is, is, I think sometimes works a little bit against what, um, what we want you to experience when you first walk in is like, okay, I had no idea. I thought this was this and it's actually this. And, the element of surprise really is is something that we we try to preserve as much as possible. So a lot of the explaining is being done by the the ephemera and the capture and the video and the photography that visitors have been providing online from their experience, you know, which we encourage. But um, it's that like, oh wow, it's that's what I thought it was, and and or or wasn't, and and it's so much more, and it has this, and it has that. So um, to Brandon's point, it has all those little tiny things connected, but. Um, deploying that to the audience from the moment they buy their ticket to the time they show up is is a little bit of a, a tightrope that we walk
0: you know I'll probably circle back around to that that tightrope because it's there's definitely times when you mystery and curiosity and you know like the the oh there's this puzzle box here and i don't know i don't know what it is and like for a certain mm-hmm. type of audience member that's like really enticing and for a lot of other people it's like oh, i don't know like I'm just gonna oh oh a new avatar's out I'll go see that like I know what that is <laughs> yeah. um and then it makes a gajillion, <laughs> gajillion dollars um uh but but let's get into let's get into the story so I, I know you guys are, are cultivating the mystery of this but uh mm-hmm. I'm hoping maybe you can like lay out a little bit about sure. what the story is here you've got this you got this lamp shop mm-hmm. that's that's kind of open to the public but What's the, what's the whole deal here?
2: The I'll, simplest. I'll, I'll, I'll just yeah, say, sim- Branding's on I would love for you to get into the like the mega detail. There's so many layers of the story here, but the the simplest pitch and the appeal to the audience is that our proprietor has gained access to a portal that leads to a very magical place full of light. That place is in dire need of help. The light that is fostering there is dying out, and your help is needed to go bring that light out so you carry this lantern in and you need to go move that light and sort of bring it sort of back to its pure radiance i think that's important is that there's an ask of the audience help us do this thing and then you're sent off to go do the thing um there's there's layers to that there's characters you meet along the way but the 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 immediate ask is this world has gone dark we can use your help please take this lantern and go help me do this thing go collect light and we send people off with that um with that charge into the space, how we do that and what what the the exact steps to do that. A couple layers there, but the the, the immediate ask is that.
0: How are, how are the guests sort of framed? um, Like what's their role in the world? Like, obviously they've got, they've got the quest, but are they, are they endowed with any, I don't know, like characteristics or, or or purpose or sort of like, is it, is it their curiosity? Like what, what is it, what is the quality of, of the guest
1: in the story? I guess. Right. I mean, you, you've heated the call with your curiosity by the fact that you went to the URL and you bought a ticket, even though, you know, there's a fax page and there's, there's something you can read up on. And but still there's a great deal of mystery. And, and when the group goes into the lamp shop, you know, the, the proprietor of the shop says, you know, have a look around, you know, ask me any questions if, you, you know, if you're interested in one of our lanterns that we sell here. And then there's, there's an opportunity there for just exploration and discovery. And, you know, as you know, you're, you're rewarded for this uh, curiosity. Even those that are very shy and we know that there's layers to this onion to kind of remove the outside world from your audience so that they're, they're primed and ready for discovery when they finally make it in through the portal. But there's a couple of layers we're removing through this process. And the second is, uh, you know, after a beat or so, it's sort of like, Hmm. You know, the the, the proprietor's on to you guys. He's like, "You're you've heated my call, haven't you? You you're not here to buy a lantern, are you?" Hmm. And and then that's what you're, yeah, everybody's kind of like, "Yeah, I didn't come here to buy a lantern." Um, and that's when he kind of it's like joining a rebellion. He, you know, it's like checking the many blinds, looking outside, closing the shutters, and then like, okay, great, you've heated my call, and then and then we get to business and we get to really talk about why you're all here and the task at hand and the urgency of it. To get a little bit more into the, the narrative, we have created something that's really uh, difficult for ourselves in that we we don't have the intention of just telling one story and being done. We are designing our experience to be done in chapters. So those who come to visit us in the first year are experiencing the, chap- the first chapter. Those who come hopefully uh, that have uh, fallen in love with these characters and the, the narrative we're playing out will return. We want to create return visits when we want to do it. Uh, we want to earn that uh, as well. And we have different modes we are implementing in the space. So when we opened October 7th, we were just opening with one mode. And as we continue out through throughout the year, we're, we're actually opening up the other modes. And then each mode Gives you a, a way into this narrative based on your your age and interest, and then once we get through a year cycle, if if we're still surviving and we still can breathe, then we're going to be moving into the next chapter. And the intention is that we we have a we have a lot of chapters, and we have a lot so we we have much story to tell. And if we can continue to earn the trust and respect of our visitors, they'll keep coming back.
0: When you talk about a mode you mean like you know other parts of the the physical building open up or new characters arrive it's a different onboarding experience
1: yeah yeah so your most recent uh one of your most recent uh podcasts you were uh, interviewing felix uh from uh punch drunk and he somewhere around the 30 second 30 minute mark i believe you're talking about uh an experience that um, had a a moment that clashed. The, The two tasks that were given to the audience, one being very gamey and one being very narrative and how the two tempos are at odds with each other. And it's something that we felt and then we saw play out in action when we started to truly implement and user test and flow audiences through our experiences is that there's this explore mode, but there's also a story mode and they can be at odds. And the, the, the puzzle solving is, is, is awesome and great for a certain kind of uh, group. But if someone's really wanting to pay attention to what the, this, the story that's unfolding, either through the actors or the puppets or the digital puppets, then it can be at odds. And so we're finding that balance. So we have these modes. So explore mode is the, is the main ticket, um, what we call in our first chapter, the lampmaker's apprentice. And that's the majority of what's being experienced right now. However, we just rolled out what we call make-believe mode, and that's an early morning hour experience for a younger demographic. So it's a little bit more sensory aware, and it's also just about building on the culture of what we're creating about uh, you know this fantasy genre that we, we exist in with our, with our story. It's, it's also a, a bit about building the, the right mindset uh, with make believe in this space, so if you, you, we try to put into action what's truly happening in in a story like Peter Pan, where your 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 happy thoughts and your openness to adventure really uh, can take flight in the space. And so it's it's all it's it can be almost like just a way of living. And so we do that for young caretakers and their and their younglings for early hours. However, it's very different. Right. Then the explore yeah. mode, which is the full on narrative. And then what we're working towards to open in February is a full on, like full on show for you with the, um, the take you, you're, you're not doing as much, uh, puzzle solving and you're, you're there to observe and partake in the narrative that's playing out in the space. Yeah, um, it,
2: It's, it's really the word mode is for us to codify audiences. We, yeah quickly understood what the audiences were gravitating to and the, the explorer take it. The Lampmaker's Apprentices doing wonderful. People love it. The the idea of questing, once you're inside the the world of Ariok, which is the world you walk into after the Lampmaker introduces you to his need, um, you're immediately, you know, bombarded with just visuals and and things to engage with. And a lot of the things you engage with with the characters you begin to meet is that they have need of you to help them with things that aren't necessarily collecting light. And, um, so that, that becomes a task oriented experience for a lot of people, which is great. People love that. So they go, Oh, this is awesome. I'm going to go do this and do that. Um, but we also found that there's a, a different audience member who's just like, Oh, wait a minute. I thought this was a theater thing. Since so you started with an actor in the first room and I met Ferris. And so they're, they're kind of a little bit apprehensive, apprehensive to the the questing. So what we want to do is begin to, you know, curate and orchestrate experiences that dial up the expect, you know, what's expected for those audiences. So we want to dial up the questing stuff for the main ticket in the Lightmaker's Apprentice. And then we're going to roll out a more passive, but richly engaging theatrical version of what we're currently doing with uh, taking the actors in the space and let them actually play out their scenes and have not have the audience, not have to engage with them from a puzzle solving point of view. So, um, that's been, you know, that's been our ambitions for the beginning, but we, we, we kind of, were all doing it at the same time and the audience kind of told us what, what was working and wasn't working. So in order to make sure that we preserve that, we're, we're splitting them all up into their own silos. And the make-believe has been, was, was a wonderful give me is, is to space is beautifully crafted in a way that, um, itself to this, again, this magical place where you can go imagine and, and, and play. And we just turned on the lights and said, Hey, let's, what if the iconography and the colors were a little different and. Um, the branding for this ticket just felt like it was aimed at a specific audience, what would happen, and that's what we're doing. So that's, that's the opportunistic side of the business to try to see and identify right, these audiences and times of day and how people are coming out and taking advantage of those times uh, and see if we can build something around that.
0: And, and just to be clear on the, on the one that's going to be a little more on the performance side, um, it's covering the same narrative material as the Explorer ticket.
1: Well, I'll, I'll jump in and say that when you're doing the explore ticket, there's, there are things that are alluded to that there's Mm. this building tension, Mm -hmm. there's tension building, like there's this storm coming and we've got to be prepared. Well, when you actually finally end up doing the, what we call the story mode, it, it will arrive. um, There's some nice payoff for our introduction of our antagonist and without saying too much. Yeah. You, you, we it's a yeah explore modes about building tension and story is going to be where we get to see some of that you know explode
0: this is this is really interesting like when when coming up with this model well i'm gonna get nerdy about the models in a second but to give <laughs> the audience kind of a something to stick their brains to could you tell us a little bit about some of the the signature characters in the story like who who are they who are they who are they meeting yeah. and, and sort of mm-hmm. developing yeah. so relationships with? I
2: I really enjoy this part of the conversation when we talk about tell us about the characters. So mm-hmm. Ferris is is a brother. Him and his brother were explorers that were hired by this place called the Department of Wonder. The Department of Wonder um, seeks the universe across the planet for um, just unique observations and, and they were sent off to go explore a, a far away place and they discovered this place called Ariok and this is years and years ago and they stumbled across these wonderful inhabitants there and you know um, stuff happened. A storm that marooned the brothers there actually struck again and uh, split the brothers apart. Um, The time they spent on the island uh, they met the keeper of the island uh, of a character named Noria. She's kind of like the princess of light of that location and um, a relationship was formed between all three, but the storm that hit the island again um, and pulled Ferris, one of the brothers, out and back into our world um, also left his brother stranded there. And there was so there's, there's a relationship between the brothers. So Ferris is uh, looking for a way back to help um, help all these just what happened to my brother, what's going on. So his, his main plight is to try to get back. Um, but this idea, the reason I, m- I mentioned brothers is that there's a there's a duality. There's a play of duality in, in 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 our universe. So, uh two brothers. Um, there's light and there's dark. And this idea that the brother was lost. And what is the brother feeling? And um, this idea of loss mean forgotten. Just forgotten mean. Does that lead to anger? And anger does it lead to darkness? And so this whole idea. And then what we call the dark. Uh, the darkness actually is the storm that is kind of rushing through the island and causing havoc and blowing out the lights. Literally blowing out the. The light, mm. all the inhabitants of this of this realm are light beings. And when this storm comes through, it kind of like blurs it out and kind of blightens it. And um, so there's the light versus the dark. And what you do is when you're in there, you cross over. Ferris has gotten access because of your presence, has enough of your sort of your, your energy, the audience's energy, collective energy to open up a portal for the briefest of moments. And the audience can step into that. And once they're in, he's got to close it. He can't go with you. He's got to be the other man and close the lower back up. So the door gets closed and you've crossed over. Um, Interesting enough, you meet, uh, the characters you meet, you meet uh, a a very humanoid character who's like, oh, fantastic. You got lanterns. And he engages with you in that way. Um, But then you've got characters who are interested, not in the lanterns, but specifically distracting you from collecting light. And those characters are perhaps the acolytes or the supporters of the Everstorm, the darkness that sort of, ramping causing chaos in this realm so you've got the dark versus the light um in a very unique way so your main task is go to collect light and how do i do this i'm not quite sure so you engage this this person you meet this character named egan who is uh, noria's son and how how is he his son you get to find out and discover but there's definitely a split between staying busy with the light or not staying busy with the light and i think that's where the 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 idea of duality comes into play and, and the more you engage with the things and the characters like mog and, and Arabelle, this is a young lady who is kind of like a mischievous uh uh harlequin in the space and you know she's less interested in your lantern and more on you know what kind of shoes you're wearing and what is that thing in your hand it's got a light on is that a device like she's just really distracting you and distracting egan from getting you to gather light and what the audience does to gather light is put their lantern on these really cool receptacles. And by placing them down, the space comes alive, like interacting with the space digitally, physically with the space causes something to create your lantern to light. And the more you do that, the more light you collect until it's time to go see Noria who gathers all that light and sends it back. So there's a whole cycle to that. But what's really cool is while you're trying to suss that out, you're being tugged by characters that are supporting the darkness and characters that are supporting the light. And they both need you to do a thing. And that duality is such a really fun thing to watch people do It's like, well, I'm, I'm going to hang out here and do this light thing, but well, why are doing that, you could be doing something else. And why aren't you doing this? And who told you to do that? So this confusion by design, um, is being led by, uh, two characters that harbinger light and two characters that harbinger darkness. And, um, One's a puppet and one's a digital puppet, one's a human actor, and uh, the other's another human actor. So, again, that's the idea of balance. Uh, and well, then you said, the, you said
0: one's a digital puppet, one's a normal puppet, so there's both like a puppet. Yeah, a we can puppet. get into that. There's a whole puppet yeah, yeah, thing we'll, yeah, yeah. we'll
2: unpack here in a second. Puppets but, are uh, good
0: puppets and humans and digital puppets all living together. I mean, that's I mean, yeah, that's,
1: coexisting. That's yeah,
2: that's good. Yeah, co- coexisting. Yeah. Coexisting. Maybe not co-existing. There's not coexisting. There's a lot. There's a lot to. to to, to see and do. And, and that's just it. It's like, okay, I was told to gather light in this lantern. And the second I step into it, but how do I do it? What, which way do I go? You don't get told any of that. You just kind of wander in and, and then it's up to you to decide it's like, oh, okay. Oh, do I follow you? Is there a map to display? I'm not quite sure. Oh, it looks like you need a map. Did, and then that, all of that gets bombarded on you as you walk in. How,
0: how have you guys sort of dialed in? Because th- there is sort of a fine line between giving the audience a lot of broad based agency and, and just sort of casting them adrift without without any sort Mm -hmm. of sense of like but where where Mm -hmm. should i go how how Mm -hmm. have you found as you as you brought audience (laughs) in and you tested like do you feel like you've dialed in the sweet spot yet or you still feel like you're finding exactly how to make that trick work
1: i think we're always dialing it in we certainly have gotten better yeah we certainly the got a lot of feedback at the beginning there's so much confusion and we would say well that's by design but no listening to the audience is very important and understanding if they're really even getting if they are even having a good time in there or not and and part of that good time is is being adrift for a bit and then figuring it out so yeah the we, at first, we were like, "Well, we should get everybody maps." And I was like, "No, okay. Well, how about just one person a map, and it's just it's gifted to them." And and, and you saw that, so you're like, "Oh, well, let's let's all look at this together." And there's a little bit of a collaborative opportunity mm-hmm. between strangers. That's that seems to work well. And but at the same time, what we really love is 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 when we unload on the audience with all this mystery and lore. Uh, at the end of the day it's just like well that's not for you to worry about you're just you're just here to use the little light you have in your lantern to attract more light and collect it and and you'll if you do that you'll 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 win the day um go and have you know and do best do your best and but 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 it's along the way you, you couldn't help but think about this lost brother and this lost love and and then then you meet all these other people you weren't told about and so then it's it's the joy of the next chapter in a book it's like i had no idea i was gonna i was gonna unfold all this other stuff um moving on to the next page and and then giving the audience that choose your own adventure opportunity to like well i was given all this advice to do this one thing which all seemed good but wow what this character is tempting me me with is really enticing and it allows you to if you've removed those layers of their outside world uh you can be a bit more playful and mischievous in this space and some people, when we've dialed it in just right, it's it's a joy to watch how they go. You know what? I'm all in on the dark side, <laughs> and and to see that play out, um, because uh, it certainly happens quite a bit each night, and and they get a different show for it.
0: You say they get a different show for it. So, are, what are the lanterns tracking? Are they are they tracking the stations people have gone to? Are there choices that are made? Does it does it all sort of yeah the ending Doesn't, come as like a gestalt of what the the audience as a whole has done
2: right now the audiences uh the time spent in the space is tracked how long you are in there the tickets for about an hour long from the second the lantern turns on the turns on after Ferris the lamp maker tells you a little story in this area called we call a story tent and it illuminates but the lanterns themselves are um tracking which areas you've Place them down and and interact it with the installation. There are mm. four unique realms. Each realms, each part of the, each one of those realms is a gathering light uh, activation, if you will. In one realm, you can collect light by lassoing it. Another one, you have to solve a puzzle made up of constellations of stars. And another one, you've got to um, gather these little fire flames from these little uh, pixies that are giving them to you because you brought them to them. So there's each little room kind of offers you a unique for your, way for your lantern to accrue light. Um, that, that number isn't important just yet. It's just that you're doing it. Um, your light and your lantern actually keeps changing color as you progress. And it kind of gets a little brighter and, and toward the end that, that pays off. Um, but there is a unique to Brandon's point. There's a, there is a unique path that you can choose. You meet a character um the the two characters of that are there for the darkness if you will you have an arabella and a mog and while you're not if you're engaging with them and you're spending time with them and you know she may read you a a specific card or tell you a story and then that might lead you to talk to mog and mog is one of our puppets and mog is a bit of a heckler mog has the ability to set your lantern on a what we call a dark quest
0: Mm.
2: and the dark quest requires you to to uh, recruit three other people because four people with a specific color lantern must unlock this massive door that only they can get into, and the only way to add back to so that is if you have enough people to do it. Those four people, right? So, oh, that you're, talk- dark quest- you're talking a
0: language of like you know some friends who like love to play black hat. Uh, would be like, like they're listening right now they're going like oh oh wait i gotta find three people we gotta go exactly so yeah, which yeah. is well,
2: again it's all it's, it's like you know it's it's we're scratching a lot of the things that we get excited about as gamers as well you know our background in animation and gaming is sort of kind of playing into this a little bit and um so that that so that the time spent on i'm engaging with mog and arabbell told me to do this and I did this and i'm gonna go I have to go find three of the people that's not time that I'm spending on the other locations collecting light so now your lantern's red, you got into this room, you actually have access in this room um, to the part of the story that is deliberately tied to why the darkness, what about the storm is, why is the storm so terrible? What's so important about it? And it's the first inkling you have of a like, well, hold on, wait a minute, I was told about it, brother. And and you begin to see, you begin to connect the dots from that, but that's if you engage with that part of the story. Um, on the other side of the fence, uh, everyone's was like, that really comes into play at the end when uh, it's time to go and everyone's lanterns flashes as a, a, a rainbow beautiful color. And that's the time to call the good of the tree. This is a great tree of light. And that's where Noria resides. And Noria is sort of our princess of the realm and she is really the protector of light. Um, and she gathers everyone's lantern in the tree in a ceremony of light that restores the tree. If the tree is restored with light, then lights protected from whatever storm comes its way. You've done the job of restoring light, make sure that light's being recycled back into the realm so that it can keep living and shining bright light, not in just Ariok's Ar- 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 realm, but across the universe, if you will. Um, so your job is important. But it's interesting because you'll have four, five, maybe even six people with their lanterns who are red. And they're like, hold on, you guys weren't doing the light collecting. What were you guys doing? You must have been talking to so-and-so. It, that becomes a bit of a really great uh, moment between the splitting of the audience and understanding who was doing what—it's a really fun moment to see play out. In the future, we are going to play that up a little bit more specifically, and there is a scoring that we want to bring up into this. That 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 hopefully unfolding away from the audience, we're toying with giving a tracking that number of things you did versus not do, um, and uh, paying that off at the
1: end. I was also uh, potentially throwing them out into the alleyway. We have a, a, an exit door between the restrooms in the back. We were just talking about like, you come with me, you with the red lanterns, and just pushing them out by the dumpsters. <laughs> to see what happens.
2: It's tool in modern, I'm like, you, no, you guys, you guys are horrible. Um, no, but that idea, and, and it's already, and you've you've got so you got people that are in, going to the tree and their land and their lanterns red, and they're like, we're team, we're team darkness. Like they were a complete they love investing the time in sort of like unraveling the story of the dark quest and the, the whole story behind the, the, the ever storm and why the like, so that's a bit of a badge of honor, if you will. And that's a cool thing to, to hear once everyone exits, once the experience is over and the tree opens and people go let out into the, back into the, into the gift shop is what we actually do. You kind of go out this quarter and you go out to the gift shop, the conversation afterwards, that's what we were excited about. It's like, oh i did this thing i spoke to pixie and i collected light i saw the the, the puzzle thing and, and versus uh i didn't do any of that i i spoke to darkness i got to the i saw a shipwreck what do you mean you saw a shipwreck i didn't see a shipwreck like that how whole thing did you guys
0: get get to get to the point where you, that was a goal for you was that something born from out? day one yeah i from Brandon one,
2: and yeah. i yeah we're we're huge fans we are huge fans of uh Sleep no more obviously for mm-hmm. a bunch of different reasons but one of my favorite memories of going to Sleep no more with him specifically and then with my wife and other folks is the conversation right afterwards yeah and the notes the comparing of notes of what he did and what I did and what I experienced mm-hmm. what you experienced experience and that you see this detail and that that's that was really important to us from the beginning um, and we we were trying to find a way to carve a similar thing, um, where the audience was making a choice to go follow, go down the rabbit hole field, they went down that path. And what's rewarding for being curious enough to keep going down that path and see if they discover something. And then just because you did that, then you can talk. you have the bragging rights to do that thing. Right? To talk about that
1: thing. So yeah, that's, that is the thing. The before, like, what are we going to do conversation? And then the after, what did you do? I, well, I didn't do that. I did this. The, the All that forensics work is just so much fun. Uh, that was a key ingredient to what we were going to cr- we try to create here with right. the Department of Water, is to give people that opportunity for conversation, to get into like w- what it all made, it makes sense of all those jigsaw puzzle pieces.
0: You guys mentioned... Sleep No More, which everyone knows takes inspiration in part narratively from the Scottish play. Um, as I'm hearing you talk about the island and the characters and the, and the brothers and whatnot, I'm I'm getting a little Tempest vibes, like Shakespeare's The Temp- mm-hmm. Tempest. So is that one of the, the influences here on, on your narrative? I wonder if you could talk uh, just that question directly and, and talk about your narrative influences more broadly.
2: I think sure. there's a little Tempest in there. I mean, um, jo- We should definitely mention that um, a bit of this material and 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 a lot of this work we we got to today with a lot of the new characters is a uh, our collaboration with Joshua Rubin as um, uh, a writer that we work with together on this and uh, it, it perhaps there's a dash of that in there. Um, for us, it it's funny because we would go like, yeah, this Tempest is also you know. Star Wars I it's 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 that all those influences are there and we're trying to find a way to make that our own um, but for sure I, I could see that there's something there that might have bubbled up in our conversation when we were getting into the dialogue with 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 Joshua specifically um,
1: when, when we were originally developing all of this we were, we were we we're talking about a universe and one of the planets for lack of better description is it's definitely highly uh influenced by a lot of fantasy genre all thrown into a blender so you could pull from so many different fantasy stories and see and feel a lot of those ingredients in our space and in our characters and in their motivations but to take a step back the bigger idea that we were initially out trying to raise capital for was a thing we called the library and not unlike night at the museum we pictured a library that came to life at night, and the characters and these different wings all commingled, and you had basically a Romeo and Juliet esque story playing out, where the Montagues being uh, maybe all the villains, the Capulets. If I'm remembering all these names right, are all the the good guys from the stories, and and then there, the what is good and what is bad, and the mix of these these different relationships in their spawn, and that what would their spawn think about those relationships and what their 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 family line represents. And so when we think about other locations we're like, well, we've done fantasy, now let's do science fiction, but that's a science fiction wing. It's a different planet, but they're still dealing with light. And so the unifying thread is light in our larger grander idea for the the the, the lore that we're building. And I know there's a lot to unpack in what I just said, but the that's that's where we started. We started with this uh, light and dark, good and bad from every every you know fantasy story, every fic- fictional novel that's ever been written, and like how do we commingle these characters together um, that become our own so it's like did did Sherlock Holmes like did he like uh, hook up with um, uh, Nancy Drew and did they have a child? And did, <laughs> we, we're just having these strange conversations, um, but, but it, it lent its way into these genres that we love because we, we want to see a noir story in a noir wing. We want to see a science fiction story in a science fiction wing and same for all the other wings. And, and so it was such a big idea. We needed to take a step back and let's just go, let's go down one wing. Let's just go yeah. down one genre for now um, and play with that.
0: Well, it's interesting. Also, you know, you mentioned Star Wars, and but as you were talking about the approach for Chapter One of the different modes and these sort of kind of different angles or on the story or how how the Explorer mode builds tension, but then the story mode is gonna mm-hmm. kind of seems like it's gonna advance the story. It, it got me thinking about sort of the the old transmedia mode of storytelling that would happen um you know in star wars like in the 90s in the expanded universe of mm-hmm. well we're going to have a video game and the video game is going to be this and mm-hmm. the novel is going to be mm-hmm. the same story but told through a different lens and and and, but also mm-hmm. for someone That's... who doesn't want to play the video game right that shadows of the yep. empire yeah right. or just by the by the soundtrack which i discovered last night during during sorting things <laughs> I was like oh i've still got that uh <laughs> Um, and, 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 and that's, were those strategies, something you were, you were talking about in this mode thing was, was the mode uh, if, if the, if the, um, sorry, I actually lost a little bit of track of, 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 there's a thing you, there was a thing you said that you answered a question I asked where you said like, Oh, from day one. And I'm also wondering, Mm -hmm. is this kind of storytelling something you were thinking of day one, or is this something that emerged as you looked at the grand ambition of a a multiverse of of worlds or a universe of worlds and started to say, oh, but like we could add that kind of depth to this one instance.
1: Well, Limbert, I'll just jump in and just say, um, we, he and I, Limbert and I have worked together going back to when we were in art school together in the early nineties. And over the years, these 20 plus years, uh we it's almost know, 30 guys sorry sorry 30. Thank <laughs> you. I, I, um, it, it's painful thank you. it's painful uh,
0: but uh I have yeah, to keep us right. on yeah.
1: thank you we, we 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 were in the animated I feel the same pain, space don't we? for for so long we were telling stories whether they're 30 seconds for commercials or a couple minutes for animated um branded short films to longer format what we've learned over all these years is yes when you when you when you sit in a room and you ideate and you storyboard your idea it always gets bigger than what you can fit into the however many minutes you've been you know assigned and so you can't help but start going off on tangents when you do story development and so you Mm -hmm. think about like well then that should be the book and that should be the movie and that should be that and so one of those early stories we developed early on in our animation we were a part of called real effects uh, was what eventually became uh, Rise of the Guardians. But in the ten years of development of Rise of the Guardians and the Guardians of Childhood, we would spend a lot of time talking about, like, well, just this, the the publishing program, or
2: mm-hmm. what
1: would be the website, and we even did like early prototypes for that. And this is like early internet days. Um, but yeah, it's like we we are just have been born with video games at, at our access since we were children. So knowing that the screen can do more than just give you. A, a story it can allow you to make decisions and engage with it that's just yeah we've Tran- the transmedia, about
2: that. yeah i'm surprised that we sorry but i'm to cut you off go ahead i i think that the transmedia part of this definitely comes up in the conversation i think it's always been part of this endeavor um when we're crafting you know yeah we're crafting stories that you know it, when we when we've been doing what we've been doing we did a we did a short film for chipotle and the entire thing was a trailer for a mobile game, right? It was the yeah. idea that the the final frame of the film was going to be the first thing you engage with in literally the, the the second you open the app, right? So our our brains have always been wired this way. We we we've thought about characters jumping across screens and across platforms from the beginning, and um, this this location absolutely wants to take advantage of that. You know what? Just this morning we were talking about you know what is a does an audio journal from the department of wonder mean, you know, mm. what, is, what if Ferris is trying to, you know, engage with sending messages to his brother from the lantern shop and it's an audio version of his diaries or his, you know, his travel logs. And you know, this guy's, and also this guy says he's traveled for years, a lot longer than this place has been around. So how did he happen to show up? You know, what, you know, is there, is there a way of time travel? Like I mean, all of this stuff that we can talk about um that that's all really rich material for us to kind of find ways to engage with and play with and <clears throat> it is intentional that we do want to grow the ip we want these characters to take on other forms and other, and
1: other media for sure um, it requires a great deal of restraint too yeah. to just focus sometimes it's really hard for us because we can't help but think about all these things and, yeah um, yeah we were just talking about that th- this morning uh, about well well eventually we're going to get to that children's book we want to make oh gosh there's there's (laughs) all 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 the that material
2: and you know um we we had we had a brief encounter uh and and helped out our buddies at meow if we did um an ar companion app at our previous studio we were um creatives at a place called flight school studio we started that studio a few years ago and one of the things that we did there is that we developed an app um where it was an ar app and let you engage with the space and kind it's of called all... anomaly tracker right so. anomaly
0: tracker. oh yeah i i've used
2: anomaly tracker yeah okay okay cool awesome so what we love about that was like well here's here's a way to while you're in the space you're engaging with it in a specific way but when you're away from it you know you can un unpack all the really cool things you took you know you you were you know pointing your camera at and i think that was yeah when, that was scratching an itch. Uh, we did it for someone, but that's always been part of, of hopefully what we do with our place as well is that while you're there, yes, but when you're away, um, what happens are the Pixies missing you is, you know, Curio needs your help one more time. And these are characters from from the, from our experience um, does, you know, we had, a, you know, one of our puppets, Mog, I mean, someone left and came back with a gift for Mog and I thought that was wonderful. They were like, I oh, really nice. want to. I'm like, well, how are you going to get back in? And she's like, I know I can't get back in through the lantern shop, but can you let me in through the back? Like she genuinely wanted to bring him a, a cupcake. And <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was wonderful. Um, so what we could. You mean on the know, same day, they just hadn't bought another on, ticket yet. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, <laughs> or, like you know, you or, got. You or do or
0: like, you have a really weird <laughs> business model? It's like, you can only buy a <laughs> ticket once and then you can never no. return.
2: <laughs> you <laughs> can definitely come only back. With buy cupcakes. another ticket. Um <laughs> it was just <laughs> interesting. It was just bold truth. Yeah, no, it's great. It's but but it's like, well, how do we give the audience again the connection to these characters, and you know that now that they exist and it's in in their heads, um, what else can they be doing, and um, how do we engage with them?
0: So you've talked a little bit about your background here. I want I want to kind of draw a fuller picture. So you know you mentioned you know short promotional films, making you know being the studio that that made Anomaly Tracker, uh, working on and you know feature animation. What is what is the background of the team? Um, you know, where are you all coming from that you're taking such a big swing with a big physical build like this?
2: Okay, well, our CEO,
1: well, well, Limmer and I, we we love music videos, and when we were in art school, we talked about them a lot. We we're big fans of Matt Mahern, who are um, directors who came from illustration who crossed over into moving pictures, and finding a beautiful sort of. Eye and providing that to storytelling in a unique way that just really was well crafted. So when we think about like early 90s versions of the Rolling Stone covers that were illustrated by an artist like Matt Mahern, and then the music videos he ended up doing, like you know, uh for Metallica, those black and white, beautiful music videos, it's like that the care and artistry that crossed over was something that just really got us going. And then to be able to then be in a, a studio where we could start to be art direct and craft things of beauty even if they were hasbro commercials but they paved the way to the path that we're on now where we have along the way gotten more into the interactive gaming side of things and and we're able to kind of go back to our childhood and, and find the things that um, stimulated and and, and and altered our decision making on how we tell stories and so we've always loved being on the that kind of bleeding edge of 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 a new medium but crafting it in a very artful way and doing what's best for that medium and so we have over the years back to your question hired people along the way as we've we've been on this journey together and our ceo kyle clark he came to us through um ilm i mean he was at ilm uh but he went from texas at a and m to ilm working on star wars movies and harry potter movies and coming back to texas because he loved texas and then coming into our team and helping us grow our feature animation site of our company and but then along the way when things were starting to kind of blend together interactivity and storytelling um, with animation uh, then we had a whole interactive division that sort of birthed out of that and our producer taylor williamson he's also our creative head or sorry technical head he 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 was on the early days of virtual reality, and and one of the early projects was uh, for Pacific Rim uh, that the studio created. And so that paved the way to all this Facebook relationship work with VR for Good, which, by the way, Limber will have to tell you about his project he's wrapping up with um, Facebook right now in the VR space. But So we've been so fortunate to dabble not only in just the traditional 2D screen content, but also in that immersive virtual realm stuff. But but then now to finally kind of have a new space to play in that's more of like what was get kept by the Imagineers of like being able to like have a space where the illustration comes to full three-dimensional reality around you physically. And then the technology gets to go invisible because you, it's it can be really laborious to try to like wear a headset all day. And, and we're now in this space where it's like it's all accessible, uh, and and we're able to create our own micro amusement sort of space, but it, but in a in a new way that allows us to paint like the way we were painting our illustrations in art yeah. school, Brand- virtually around us.
2: Yeah, I think it's really good. Brandon and I, I think, can definitely consider ourselves illustrators that just use a lot of different tools. <laughs> um, we've had uh, the amazing fortunate. Opportunity uh, in our careers to to engage with just people that allowed us to kind of be thinkers and play with ideas. Um, You know, chronologically, yes, we went, spent time at, you know, wrangling together as art students and wanted to go make films, but really we're like, well, why? You know, it's really about making great images and this could, this really could stay in art school and make art school the thing that is to take it into this universe. And, and is the animation the next leap into, into trying to make those images move? And um, which led to, uh, really wonderful time at Real Effects has been part of our careers, our entire lives. Real Effects Animation Studio, that's, which is in Dallas. Um, you know, I moved to Dallas and became part of that with Brandon. Brandon was from Fort Worth originally, and, and so Dallas was has been home based for a lot of this work until we took a uh, we departed on our ways to to try to keep pushing the boundaries a little bit. You know, we ended up doing a a studio called Moonbot um, for a little while in Shreveport, Louisiana um, allowed us to be even more creative there. And, 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 and what was interesting about Moonbot it was that it was doing exactly what Brandon was talking about. We were taking the tools and pushing them further. It was the first time we actually got to act on, well, the film, a film can do this, but what if we take the assets from the film and deploy them in this way and create an app that does that. Okay, great. What if this game was the first thing that led to this? So this idea of playing with story in multiple doors and entry, the audience can enter to that story from multiple places, uh, was started to be scratched at with Moonbot, and then Moonbot led to uh, wonderful opportunities to tell a lot of different stories for other folks. Um, ultimately, that led to blown up, sort of like like Lost Ollie, for example, which is on Netflix, uh, birth out of, out of right. ideas at Moonbot. So um, oh, that that again, that's all out of this. Let's tinker with how do we tell stories and. Um, that led to Kyle, our CEO calling us back to real effects and saying, Hey, we've got this burgeoning VR division and it could use, you know, some, what are that, what if thinking that, that sort of experimental, um, attitude. And, and, and we found ourselves back at real effects, but specifically not to make real effects, you know, animated movies, but to take this inner, the innovation that they're creating with the VR side and make it our own and, and craft something. Right. So we formed flight school about six years ago, flight school still exists and they do wonderful interactive work and installation. So we began to talk to other partners that wanted things activated just beyond VR activations or, or VR projects. And um, the entire time we were at flight school, we just couldn't help thinking about what we call the regional Disney. You know, Brandon and I have this we have this audacious idea of like Man, wouldn't it be like would it be like if we can curate a city? Well what is that? What is that like? What if we gave people things to do that were all <laughs> tied together in some crazy way? And um that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff that <laughs> you know I talk about over coffee and it's kind of like it tickles us, but you know, we What got- if
0: we did Epcot but for real? Like not <laughs> exactly. just like a theme park, but they lived in it. No, yeah, no. And imagine
2: we- you could li- yeah, what
0: if the yeah, apartments- we yeah, it. that- <laughs> yeah.
2: It's and yeah, you know, we just and we love that. It's just you know, it's 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 it's, a, you know, but we, we try to be responsible and, and, you know, take chances where chances are, you know, are able to be taken and, and be responsible with the work we do. But also, you know, the illustrator in us is like, well, is that our style? Let's try this thing. And and and, and I think our brand is collaboration, if anything, I think I noticed us a lot, but it, it is collaboration. And we found ourselves working with people who are just like, yeah, that's what I, let's try it, let's go for it. And um really supporting us in that way. And, uh, that led to the opportunity in Sugarland. Land. Um, while we were trying to raise capital, um, there was a location. They were like, well, you've got this space. What would you do with it? And that's when we decided to take this grander idea of this library thing, go, well, let's take a small bite out of it and turn it into something small. What would that be? And, and that's when we kind of just went off on the races and started trying to bring that to life and, yeah. and do it. But um, it's it's definitely been illustration, filmmaking, animation, scratching those itches, telling stories that are connected and broader and their chapters and their things that are really large and giving you ways to get engaged with that. Every one of our studios and projects that we've been part of have been all um, pulling at that and, and, and uh, pointing in that direction for sure. You
1: Noah, know can I jump in? I just want to s- yep. celebrate a person for a second that was a big inspiration for us and it, and it just wasn't in my brain until Limbert started to tell that story. And the stint we spent in Louisiana for almost a decade, one of the early things that we got to experience was from a puppeteer out of New Orleans who had made a and translated Roald Dahl's Fantastic Mr. Fox into an immersive experience. And it was made of just cardboard and scraps and it was in a warehouse, it probably didn't have AC. But then eventually it got torn down, but we learned about it and we invited Arthur and his wife, Teresa, and we found money through the arts organization in our city, the Shreveport Regional Arts Council, to fund them to have a residency to rebuild it. And we gave them a four story building to redo the Fantastic Mr. Fox um where you go through these tunnels it starts out in what feels like a little theater and a giant picture book and you climb into the picture book you go through these tunnels you go from narrative point to narrative point through tunnels and while being chased by giant shovels coming through the ceiling and it was just blowing our minds to finally like we'd been told it and then to see it and then to be a part of it and then to to do it on our hands and knees with knee pads and uh, headlamps it was it was so eye-opening and then that combined with the immersive theater that we got to experience in New York. Um, and then what our friends were doing over in Santa Fe, it was all, it was just like this mind explosion of, of the tools that we had at our disposal. Like, yeah, we're like, yeah, okay. Animated movie version of this with puppets and actors. And, and we, we need to find the right story and the right vibe and the right location to kind of see all this stuff culminate and funnel through our skill sets. And we were so fortunate a few years ago to finally figure that out and to start to build it in Houston. But yeah, it it started with Arthur Mintz and to a degree... And, and and what he was doing with Fantastic Mr. Fox. And what's so crazy about that journey is Arthur fell in love with all the work we were doing in animation. He started his own animation company and he's going down that path now. <laughs> where, nice. where we're not doing that as much. Um, and and he just had like the he Super swapped Bowl Swapped murders last... as it were. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> exactly. amazing. Yeah, it's like the Super the first the commercial of the Super Bowl last year, his company did. And it's this beautiful mixture, hybrid between puppets and tracking the eyes and replacing the pupils it's so beautiful it's like what he, i think hinson would have come to if he'd still been around oh wow um what's yeah, the status it,
0: of that fantastic mr fox uh show is that is that wrapped well, at this point or do they are, yeah
1: that was it that was it that yeah, was the it was stint. It. Yeah, yeah and it, it it they extended it for a couple of months cuz it kept selling out it was it was beautiful
2: it beautiful was wild show. but just just the building of that and just seeing that come together you're like oh yeah we could this you could do this you could tell it. this isn't yeah. like this isn't you know behind some crazy door that it's hard to climb up to the lock to like it's like oh yeah you can we can do something like this and um <clears throat> if you make some you know try to make some decisions mm-hmm. about what's important to the story we want to tell and 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 what all of it all to say at the end of the day this is really about what what do we do with the audience this is the thing my my biggest rant about immersive is like well, how are we casting the audience how are we casting the audience how are we casting the audience like what do they do specifically you know we're going to give them an agency and um that that's a big part of uh the last few years has been is, is trying to figure out all right well cool we invited you here we want you to do this thing what thing okay well let me show you cool and now go do it and then see what happens and um we were th- which which is ultimately to say this is where we we arrived with you know the use of a lantern you know we have a device you know it's our it's the thing that allows you to be in the space don't lose your lantern for if you lose your light you will you lose your way you might not be able to get back out of this place like all of these things that began to sort of make sense the second we gave the audience that peripheral and and, and device to sort of help them navigate the space it's, you know, who, who are they and why are they there
0: mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm, I going to got one more question for you guys before before I, I let you go eat um cuz i know you're hungry um <laughs> nah. but but from uh from the outside looking in you know I, and and you've mentioned a little bit about you know how you wound up with the space uh you know you were offered it but from the outside looking in i have always felt like houston was an underserved market for immersive it's the fourth largest media like uh, like you know region in the country right like everyone forgets that um mm-hmm. but, and so far, like there's been Strange Bird Immersive, and there have been some mm-hmm. shows that have popped up now and then. But the biggest thing in terms of you know capacity so far seems to have been the run of the infinite that Felix and Paul did uh, over by the Space Center, uh, right. the Space Station yep. VR experience. What are you seeing in the region um, that, when 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 it was offered up to you to have a space in Sugarland, well, um, well, you know, that made you say, yeah, this is this is where to build.
1: Well, when when we showed up, we we realized real quick that you know Houston's strong when it comes to theater. When it comes to immersive, though, it, it took a while for us to discover those those things that you mentioned, and and you know. Haley and Cameron reached out to us from Strange Bird and they're like, what are you guys doing on our turf? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we built a great friendship through that. But but they were so excited to see this stuff happening. Um, and like, why were you doing it out in the suburbs? That was very strange. Um, we There is vast amounts of potential, but it's the city is still in its infancy to waking up to this as a medium that can be banked on. Uh, it was so enlightening and inspiring to see what you you showed us at dig um in denver and it was so enviable how how the city the mayor everybody was so uh on board with turning that town into like the mecca of in you know immersive content um that it was such an exciting space to to be in and and to meet with other people that were like minded but as far as houston goes there's a there's a nut to crack there and it's breaking out of the stodgy traditional proscenium of theater um we the it's the 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 talent is there the opportunity needs to be i think uh, continue to be stimulated for these storytellers that are all over that city to be able to not, they're all adventurous, but to, to, to then have the confidence to do it so that there'll be an audience that'll accept it. And we're, we're definitely still in an educational phase. Like if, if immersive theater is in like the, um, the motorized buggy phase before the car was (laughs) invented, that's, that's sort of where we are, but we're we're still feeling like we're just showing people the wheel right now over there uh, to a degree. And, And, and we're, we still have to, a lot of education to do to get people mind switch to be more open to this. We were so lucky to bring in our theater manager, Kevin Holden, who had been doing this for a good decade in Houston, but he was so bleeding edge. It just like, it was very hard for him to find an audience. He was doing immersive shows in bars and in abandoned silos, like before we had ever gone to an immersive show in in our lives. And we're just so lucky to have found him. And th- it's a very small community, and we're so fortunate that people like Haley and others are tuned into it that can enlighten us to things like no proscenium. Um,
0: yeah. Well, and and I'm yeah. I'm glad to see, you know, when I when I open this episode up, uh, and you know, said you know that you guys are are chasing what you know so many of us are chasing here, and like you're bringing it all together. Um, it, to see the the amount of prowess and energy you're putting into it and that you're thinking through these things but also that you're you're making sure that or you have that discipline born of working in the industry for a very long time to know the mm-hmm. ambition may be huge but the focus mm-hmm. needs to be even grander in order to in order to get there in the long Absolutely. run uh, and, and and you know go deep before you go wide and and I'm hearing that in in what you've been saying today um, there is, yeah. Well, well, Brandon Limbert, thank you both so much for being on the show. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the time when I can get out of Los Angeles and and check out what you're doing. And I'm sure we'll be talking even more in the not too distant future. Thank yeah, you so well, much. Thank that.
1: you. This is an amazing platform to be on. We're so honored to be able to reach your audience. Thank you for doing what you do and being the champion for all of us out there doing this strange art form.
0: Thanks. Once again, I want to thank Brandon and Limbert for being our guests on the show this week. Check out Department of Wonder out in Sugarland, Texas. If you are anywhere near there or if you find yourself passing through, I know that I will be jealous of you. And hopefully, hopefully at some point I'll get to do it too. Um, yeah, really just love talking to those guys. Like, And, you know, getting into the whole Fantastic Mr. Fox story. Uh, you know, puppet-based piece, you know, that going on in it and just all this other stuff. Like, I'm I'm really, really curious as to how this is going to develop. And I'm hoping that it might be one of those bellwether projects, uh, because if they can make this work there and garner some attention, that maybe we'll see more folks jumping into the space because of it. All right, speaking of more folks jumping into the space because of a show, because of an experience, Punchdrunk. Oh yeah, Punch Drunk, uh, the, the seminal uh, immersive theater company, creators of Sleep No More, amongst other works. Of course, I got the Burnt City going on in London right now, and as many of you know, uh, the Burnt City was uh, targeted for Los Angeles for a long time until uh, kind of an infamous 2019 planning, uh, commission meeting where, uh, we discovered that the permits had been pulled sort of nixing the project as it was planned. Well, uh, it seems like maybe things aren't as done and dusted as we thought they were because right now, currently there's a, there's a documentary that's out on uh, Sky TV in England. All right. I want to get this. I want to get the name of this right. Uh, this is something that uh, Catherine uh, flagged in the Everything Immersive group. Uh, Catherine, who's still, you know, technically not allowed to be part of us because of working for a, a game uh, studio with Meta on virtual reality, but you can't. You can't keep a good moderator down. You can't keep Catherine from posting. Uh, so the punch drunk behind the mask documentary, which is an hour long documentary, uh, on sky TV, um, the last seven minutes or so, which I've been able to see, um, actually I've way of seeing the whole thing, but like, let's not talk about that. Let's, let's not, let's not talk. About I'll, I'll watch the whole thing soon, but I knew I had to watch the last seven minutes or so because, uh, in those last seven minutes, you see uh, Felix Barrett, uh, who of course was a very recent guest on the show. Uh, on episode uh 365 so um cuz 10, 10 episodes ago wow jeez you get to the point now okay Felix is running around the MacArthur which is the hotel that they're uh they're renovating uh at MacArthur Park in Los Angeles and apparently the footage uh is not from pre-pandemic not from 2019 uh, there's some identifiers in it. And also it's coming out in a documentary that's happening right now. Uh, he mentions Clyde Timester's palace. So it's pretty clear. They're thinking about this still in terms of the burnt city. We reached out to punch drunk, uh, punch Drunk's PR company. And they said that uh, there's nothing concrete to announce. Uh, but that they are still exploring the possibility of doing a show in Los Angeles. It's very clear that Felix is really excited about the building Uh, We're pretty sure the building's pretty excited about Punch Drunk, the MacArthur. If you go onto the website, you type in the MacArthur and Los Angeles, you will find this this silhouette, kind of a kind of a line drawing of of the building, the hotel, which is, you know, a classic. It's being renovated. Um, If you can get your hands on the documentary through any means. I I recommend checking it out. It's some really gorgeous cinematography. Uh, seems to be some spoilers abound for uh, The Burnt City, which I'm trying to avoid. So that's why I just sort of flash-forwarded uh, to the last seven minutes. But yes, it seems the cat's out of the bag that... Um, that the dream of Punch Drunk being in Los Angeles and particularly the dream of the Burnt City being Los Angeles is not done. Of course, if you want to go see the Burnt City right now, if you want to experience all the wonders that London has to offer, and London has a lot to offer, I don't want to stop you from going. But we here, of course, have been waiting for something like this for a very long time. And we cannot count our chickens. We, we cannot. There's an egg shortage, don't you know? Uh, we can't count our chickens. Um, because until I've seen that the permits are signed and that, and that, uh, announcements have been made because the hurdles have been cleared until I see that I'm not going to get my hopes up. Uh, I've, I've literally was at the meeting where it was just announced they've, the, the developers pulled the permits. Uh, and then I called the planning commission. I was like, well, "What does that mean?" And there's like, "That means it's done." And I was like, "Well, what would happen if they wanted to do it? You know, you know, could they just pick up where they left off? Like, no, they'd have to start over from the beginning." But it looks like maybe they started over from the beginning, and maybe the pandemic gave them enough time to do exactly that, and maybe other things. But just maybes, just maybes, maybes. But the last seven minutes of that documentary are Felix running around, and let me tell you the spaces he's running around in look really incredible as raw spaces. Will they be all being used for the show? Mm, I don't know. There's was, there was, a big lobby, amazing lobby, but <laughs> pretty sure that's going to be the hotel's lobby. But really, let's just, let's maybe wish, let's just wish to get it. Oh God, can we get it here? All right. It'll be fun, fun to run around be really fun to run around. And it's in the Sky News documentary. I don't, they, they don't want us to rumor monger. They don't want us to like talk. Obviously they do. So uh, wouldn't it be on Sky? I hope this isn't some giant mistake on the part of like a Sky documentary producer. It does not seem to be, not with, uh, not with the word we got. So ladies and gentlemen and all others, let's start your engines. Let's go. All right, uh on that note. That's that's it for this week. Um it's a it's a great bright beautiful time, in immersive. There's lots of possibilities. I'm starting to get excited. Uh and I owe uh, all the backers an irregular and uh I'm going to go record that immediately after this. So <laughs> I'm in a mood. We're going to do that. Uh, That being said, uh, let's do the thing we do at the end of every show. The associate producer of No Priscinium is Parker Sella. Music for No Priscinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solar, the podcast. Special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. And this podcast is written, edited, hosted, produced, and mixed by yours truly, I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you at the show.